Realize there's no place else in the world that that happens. Uh, corporate singing and all of that stuff that goes with it, the, the, the way that that glues us together is a little bit of a lost art. The last place that, that you really have that is in, in a church. I had to laugh. I did chapel up at Lutheran High, and I was thinking about, you know, they should all be able to sing, and it was the common doxology, praise God from whom all blessings throw. And I started to sing off key, and often I'm like, they'll pick me up. And at the end, I was singing by myself, so whatever, right? But the power of corporate singing, what, what that does to your soul, it, it reminds you that you are not alone, right? And, and, and our, our history of that, right? Martin Luther, he was a, a songbird, uh, not as good as Abby and Colin and Stefan, but probably pretty close for his, for his time. Um, this sermon and, and this week is the only one that's really, really hard. And whenever I put a sermon series together, I wonder about that. If, 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 if I've kept it too easy, right? And I, I like encouraging messages. I do the football coach guy and we can do it. Let's go get them. You know, let's slap them around in the name of Jesus. And uh, just, eh, this one's not like that. Um, this one is for those who've struggled and are trying to figure it out or have struggled and have figured it out. This is not the sermon for the, uh, we, we didn't preach this one with a bunch of kids from the school in here, we, right? This is family this weekend. And, and I knew that going in. I knew I looked at the schedule. I'm like, okay, this, is, this weekend's gonna be family and this is how it's gonna, how it's gonna look. Because if you've stuck around family long enough, you've, you've been through the ins and outs of it. You've been through the wonderful times of grace and joy and thanksgiving. You've also been through the painful times of, uh, right? And so this, uh, this from Jeremiah 45 is, is just beautiful to think about if you've ever been through anything in your life. Or maybe you're going through something in your life. This is Jeremiah 45, 1 to 5. When Baruch, son of Neriah, wrote on a scroll the words Jeremiah the prophet, di prophet dictated, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, Jeremiah said this to Baruch. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You said, woe to me. The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am worn out with groaning and find no rest. But the Lord has told me to say to you, this is what the Lord says. I will overthrow what I have built and uproot what I have planted throughout the earth. Should you then seek great things for yourself? Do not, seek, do not seek them, for I will bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. But wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. The scripture isn't, every scripture passage that we find isn't like under a rock and here's this magical, marvelous piece of joy and encouragement. The scriptures are also written for people who are going through it and having a tough time. And this is one of those pieces Baruch is struggling, and, and he's chafing. He's, he's a number one guy living as a second banana, and he's kind of had enough. And so God comes to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah comes to Baruch and says, it's really going to be hard. You're doing the right thing. And at the end of the day, everything's going to go away, but this I can assure you that you'll still be alive, at which I'm sure Baruch looked at Jeremiah and said, gee, thanks a lot. 
But that's kind of how it is when we're going through a difficult patch in our lives, a season of pain, a season of sickness, a season of emotional distress or high anxiety. Sometimes we feel like we may not make it through, and yet the Lord says, you know what, you're, I'll walk with you through it. You're, you're going to make it. One of the quotes that I came along this week as I was working through this uh, in, in the book, Faith Enough to Finish, the author of that book, Jill Briscoe, points us to, to this piece from Mother Teresa. And don't you love that picture of Mother Teresa? I, I just love that. Um, her face worn with uh, wrinkles of smile and grace instead of a brow furrowed. Of course, you can't see her brow, but a brow furrowed with anxiety. And there's just ebullient joy in Mother Teresa's face there. Her quote is, you will never truly realize God is all you need until he becomes all you have. Right, which means you kind of got to go through it. And there's different ways of going through it. Our generation has, has authored a whole new way to go through pain and suffering, and it's called social media. And sometimes I cringe when I look at social media posts, and I'm like, you're hemorrhaging all over my computer I want to see pictures of mountain bikers, and I want to see pictures of woodworkers, and I want to see, and, and, and you're hemorrhaging on my Instagram thing. But there's a weird thing going on in the world where you can do your grief or your anger or your whatever on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or whatever. I don't even know what that one on the left is. And I've promised my kids I won't be on uh, Snapchat. But Jeremiah was publicly hurting. He was the one who wrote it down and put it out there. He was the one who stood up in front of the crowd and said, this is how it is, and this is where I'm at, and this is what God says, and this is how it works, and uh, good, bad, or indifferent, here's, here's how it's going to be. And we live in a time where people publish their entire lives. My wife hates it when I do that. I don't do it anymore. We had a pretty big uproar about that. And I had to put my head down and my tail between my legs and say, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore because it hurts her. Some people like to have all their pain and all their suffering out there, and somehow they process it better if you know about it. I'm not sure that's true. There's not enough psychological data to verify that. But people are hurting and grieving and anxious. And many like to put it out there so you can see it and participate in it. But different people do things different ways. Baruch was quiet. Baruch was not adding footnotes to Jeremiah's sermon. Baruch was one who was saying, okay, I've got the Harvard education, and I got the high zoot family, and I got the name and all this stuff, but Jeremiah, you're the, you're the lead dog, and I'm back here in the pack. And he got a little uptight. And so the Lord said, here's, here's a word and promise for you, Baruch. I hear you. I'm with you in the quiet, dark place. I'm with you. And I know what you're feeling and I know what you're thinking and I hear your lament and I'll walk with you through it. I won't deliver you from it, but I'll walk with you through it. This is how... In, in, in our family, we go different ways. My wife processes things quietly, and that's cool. Took about 30 years of marriage to figure out that that was okay. Me, I process verbally, obviously. 
And part of living in community and living in a relationship is figuring out that people are different and people deal with the challenges and the painful pieces of life in a different way. If you've never been through grief in your family, let me tell you, people grieve at different rates. Some grieve out loud and drive you crazy and others you wonder if they're just hollowed out inside. Jeremiah and Baruch, the out there and the quiet self-reflective peace. So God reaches down. He makes a promise. He says, you got to toughen up. And I love this, right? This is how I was raised. You got to toughen up. You got you to man up. You got to suck it up. Remember the coach in the fourth quarter. He didn't put his arm around you and say, well, you know. He said, you got to get out there and wipe the blood out of your. You got to get tough. You got to leg whip that guy. You got to. Right. There is a little bit of it when we go through it like Baruch was. We just got to toughen up. There is a part of life that calls us to be tough, to, to, to find some strength, to find some resiliency, to find the ability to put our shoulders back and our chin out and fire through whatever is before us. The word of the Lord from Jeremiah 12, I love this. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? You may want to put that on your vanity on the mirror this week. That's a great thing. If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Your relatives, members of your own family, even they have betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. I will forsake my house, abandon my inheritance. I will give the one I love into the hands of her enemies. God is saying through Jeremiah, if you think what you've been through is rough, the hurt's coming down. So you're going to have to toughen up. You're going to have to find a sense of resiliency and strength that's going to be supernatural. And it's going to come from God. And I think about, I think about those words, not in the backdrop of 500 BC, but in the backdrop of 2025 or 2026. What if we're just on the front end of things being painful? What if we're going to be two years down the road and we're going to look at an 8% inflation and go, man, I remember the good old days. I think about that stuff. I wonder what would happen if someone planted a tank on the corner of Almond and Schaefer or if my sermons were emailed to me by somebody else and said, if you preach anything outside of this, you're going to be in trouble. We'll cart you off to jail as they've done for Christians for millennia. That piece from Jeremiah 12 is a little bit daunting. God is in essence saying, if you think it's been bad now, if you think it's been bad now, you just wait and see what I'm doing. But all the while, God is molding and shaping. He's chiseling. He's drawing out of that hunk of, of granite that is your life. He's making the sculpture that becomes you by helping us deal and walking us through the difficult, painful things of life. I was thinking all morning about the, the line in the movie, um, Trading Places, where Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd are talking, and they said the one way to make rich people happy is to, uh, to make them miserable, is to make them poor people. For those of us, we live in a very wealthy country. We have lots and lots of things. What if we didn't? What would that mean and how would it work? And what does the future look like? 
On the one hand, I don't know, and on the other hand, I've got great encouragement. Jill Briscoe writes in her book, Faith to Finish, these words, we have to face God's truth about our pain. It is real, but we need to be careful not to get God and life mixed up. God does not cause the pain and sorrow. He suffers with us and desires to comfort us as only he can. And so those times of anxiety, those times of worry, those times of fear provide opportunity for self-reflection, for an opportunity to go back to the word and the promise of God and say, wait a minute, as you were with Jeremiah, so you will be with me. For Jeremiah, the verbose, and for Baruch, the quiet, you intervened for both, Lord. And you told Baruch, I will be with you. And so we reflect a little bit about ourselves and about what do we need to face in our lives. What are those challenges that make us better, stronger people? And where are we in our lives? Tired out, exhausted, kind of worn through and worn empty, needing a little zap of, of something to give us the jolt for what we have to do six or seven days a week? We look in the mirror and we think it through and we take an inventory of our heart and soul rather than just kind of grind on from one day to the next until we're too exhausted to even get after it. Or are you trying to hide from others and from God? I've got friends in my life where I will, I'll hear from them, you know, week by week, day by day, and then all of a sudden they drop off the edge of the earth. And, and, and there was times where I'd say, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad. You're a pain in my rear end. I'm just glad that I don't got to pick up. Oh, man, I can ah, Phoenix. Ah. But what I realized then is that especially my one buddy would just pull back. And that was a sign of him being broken and hurting. And I'd call him and I'd say, what's going on? You haven't talked to me in two weeks. What's happening? He said, oh, Clink, I didn't want to talk. I'm embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. can't really hide from God. Our thoughts, our feelings, our wishes, our knowledge, our, our lives are before Him. And so hiding from Him becomes an exercise in futility because He loves us and is with us and desires this deep, rich relationship with us. <laughs> I love that picture. I'm putting this on my computer this week. You read this with me, please. You will never truly realize God is all you need until he becomes all you have. God was working with his people in that regard. He was working with his people, Israel. They, they, God was going to be all they had. And in a couple of years, it was all going to come down. And so Jeremiah pointed them back to the promise of God, said, you've been through it, you're going to go through it, and it ain't going to be easy. But I'm going to tell you this, I will be with you. I'm not sending in the C-147. I'm not sending in the, the Apache helicopter. I'm not sending in. You're going to live through it. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. And I will be with you. And the seal of that for Christians here in 2022 is that cross of Jesus Christ. God could have said, I'll be with you. Trust me. Rather, God said, I will be with you. And he sent his son. And so the death of Jesus is the seal of God's presence with us. 
We live in a time where people are more interconnected and yet more lonely. People have access to more information and more data, but are unwise in the way they live and order their lives because they're not tethered or connected to something bigger than themselves. You are, through faith in Jesus Christ, that word and that promise of God that he will be with you is not just an empty promise, hey, it'll all be great and it'll all work out. Rather, God seals his presence with you by delivering his son. And sometimes it's that cool, calm voice of Jesus that sounds a lot like a friend or barb that says, I'm here. And I'll carry you through the rough seasons of life. Two tough years I can remember. 1999 was just awful. I got to the end of that year. I was way fat, way unhealthy, about 35 years old and just struggling. 1985 was a year like that, the year my father died. He was 51, I was 21. And it was only in looking back that I could understand the veracity of God's promise. I will carry you through the rough seasons of your life. Jeremiah, Baruch, Timothy. And you will make it and be better off for it. Buddhism, Shintoism, Islam, none of them have an answer that I can give you today about suffering. If you're a good Muslim and, and, and you're suffering, then they say, well, you brought it on yourself. If you're a good Buddhist and they say, well, you know, it's all about karma and whatever you did, then this is just coming back to you. That's, that's how it works. Christianity isn't like that. Christianity is a God who is with us, who carries us through, who helps us find meaning in those difficult moments of life. Instead of saying, God has put it on us, and this really stinks, and I think I'm never going to make it, God says, what can you draw from this that will make you a better human being and a better person, a better dad, a better grandpa, a better worker, a better boss? Molding and shaping and shaping and molding us in his own image through the things of life that are painful. And then this I like, the idea of being anti-fragile. This comes out of a book I read that's probably written by a nutty atheist, but it's a great book. It's called Anti-Fragile. The idea is that fragile people break easy and that you kind of look at them and go, boo, and they go, ah. I got people like that. My one nephew, I love to do that. Boo, he goes, oh, Uncle Tim, what are you doing? You're always getting on me. You're so serious. I'm like, I just tease you because it's fun, because I can, friend. Fragility is that idea of being broken and pieces breaking off us that we can't take care of. Resiliency says that after I've been through a painful thing, that I'm, I'm, I'm where I was when I started. The painful thing didn't take me back, but it also didn't move me forward, but I'm still standing tall. Anti-fragile says, not only am I going to go through the suffering, and not only am I going to go through the painful moment, but I'm going to be the better off for it. And while that is not a uniquely Christian way of saying it, the Christian way of saying is, it is this, all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose. God says, I will be with you. I will carry you through the rough seasons of your life. You will make it through and be better for it. 
and you will be anti-fragile. You will be finding meaning and value in those things that are painful. His tears on your face are not a bad thing, nor is that a sign that your life is apart from God's will or whatnot. But I pray that in some of those moments, instead of putting our head down and pushing forward, that we'd sit down and mellow out and recall those marvelous promises of God and His great love for Baruch, Jeremiah, for Grandma and Grandpa, for me, for you. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I don't know this morning who's going through it, but I know that any uh, gathering this big, a couple hundred people, there's probably two-thirds of them that have either finished going through something or are on their way into something. And so I pray that instead of, uh, instead of putting the head down to ram through the wall, that you would allow, allow the individuals to look up, to see you there with them, to find value and faith and promises that have been made over millennia that have been kept to individual people, to sense your presence in their lives, and to bless them, Lord, with uh, strength and uh, peace and courage and resiliency and anti-fragility and all those things that, that demonstrate your presence and your strengthening and quickening them in their lives. So we commend all who are hurting now to you, those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, those who got a diagnosis of serious illness, those whose job is on the line, those who are just anxious every moment they wake up. Tap them on the shoulder tomorrow morning and remind them, Lord, that you are with them and lead them to that cross, the sign and the seal of your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.